Live from Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, or Chat TV. Good to be with you. Thanks for being with us, and a fine Balls McWednesday to you and yours was asked during the break. I saw some of these questions. I want to catch up on some of them as um, I'll respond now more to Portal stuff. Uh, there, there was a question in regarding Malcolm Ray, and, and it gives me an opportunity, Tom, to segue into my thoughts on you know where we're at in college football, where we're at with the transfer portal, and uh, all these things that are seemingly omnipresent on, on college football fans' minds. But I, I don't, you know, I've, got, I've never had a problem with the idea of uh, kids being able to transfer. Uh, I do think unlimited transfers is a mistake and a problem for coaches and the kind of thing that a coach would maybe then at some point say, um, you know, I'll take this to the league if I can. I'm going to the NFL where if I sign a free agent, I know where he's going to be and I don't have to worry about re-recruiting him uh, at the end of every practice that doesn't go well. Uh, you know, I, th- that kind of stuff is maddening. But where I see fans' reaction uh, to the extreme is when they get frustrated with, with certain kids and these kids that enter their name in the portal and it's the modern-day Reedy Ree, buddy. This is what we're dealing with, Tom. It's a whole nother genre of Reedy Re only via the portal. And I had this conversation before any of the names went into the portal for people and said, there's a ton of misinformation out there and these kids are falling for it. While college football is in a state of massive transition, not all of it good. In fact, a lot of it bad. Sport feels a little broken right now. But it is in transition, and while it is, you'll see a lot of strange results, a lot of strange happenings that frustrate you to no end. Sometimes it works in your behalf or on your behalf, and other times it does not. But what I've learned is that I'll, I can easily you know, forgive certain kids who get misinformation, have poor representation, people in their ear misleading them, in a time of wild transition in which the governing bodies don't seem to have a say whatsoever as to what's happening in college football. I can forgive all that. It's it's where it becomes somewhat uh, vitriolic and where the kids badmouth the schools or the kids end up um, kind of subverting what's happening within the locker room uh Within a you know within a given team, and when you hear that, and then you find out about that, if that happens, that's where if you're a coaching staff, you cannot, you cannot at any point uh, let that kid back in, and so it's tough for people because they don't know which is which. They don't know if the kids are on the up and up, just trying to pursue another offer in which they think that they're able to make some money for themselves and others. Um, and then others, it's, it is, uh, kind of an ugly thing where they, they make the move, but then they also, 
badmouth the program and cause irreparable damage. So it's it's I usually am trying to get to the bottom of that, looking into at any given time, um, who's what, you know, who is who is just pursuing an opportunity that they don't have here, and who is subverting the program and spreading disinformation. Uh, because that kind of thing could be damaging. Do we lose it? Are we off the air? <laughs> we're good. We're back on the air. Everybody all right? We were. We were for a second there. As you were getting into the high and mighty points you were making about uh, what it is like to be in Reedy Ree season, essentially, while you're actually on a roster, which is the worst of high school recruiting has found its way onto a roster in college which is kind of nuts because it yeah. should be over once you make that decision. Yeah, and really quick in a nutshell, what I was saying is there's a difference. What I'm learning is that kids get misinformation, they get misled, poor representation, all of those things, and then all of a sudden a kid decides to enter his name in the transfer portal because he thinks there are riches out there that aren't, right? And that's a very different thing. That's an innocent thing. It's an unfortunate thing. It's the byproduct of this transition that we're watching. It's very frustrating for all involved, including coaches and players and fans and parents and all that. But that's different than when you do something like you get mad at a coach or you get mad at your playing situation, you put your name in the portal, and then you badmouth the program and speak untruths about the program. If you do something like that, you're not coming back. If I'm a coach, you're not coming back. That's it. You're not going to subvert our culture. You're not going to be able to do that. If you're a kid that was misled, confused, a little misguided, and you do it, I got no hard feelings against you. But it is impossible to expect fans of a program to sit back and watch and hear about this player, that player, or this player, put their name in a portal, and then not feel a little, I guess, unwanted or frustrated, right? And then to kind of not know what's what. Who fits in which category? Is this kid a bad kid? Is he screwing us over? Is this kid a good kid who's got an opportunity? Is this kid just absolutely got poor representation? It is hard to know which category these kids fit into. Well, and, and the hardest part to deal with is that there isn't any transparency on the level. And I don't know if our friends at the Battle's End would like this, but... There's no transparency on the level of the collective. You don't know what a kid is earning. It's not public record. You know, and, and what that does is, it, yes, it allows perhaps for a competitive advantage on the collective level at a specific institution. But what it does is it also allows for these group text conversations with friends of friends telling you as, a, you know, the third string defensive tackle or, or the third safety at Florida State that you're not making enough capital well, if you got to see what the market actually was as you were at Florida State, I bet you more players than not that are in Tallahassee would say, I've got it pretty good here. Wow, this is a, a pretty good situation instead of having to find out about it the hard way. That's where the lack of transparency in the system as we have it right now actually I think is hurting a program like Florida State because I don't know how many of the kids that have entered the portal in the last two years would have done so if they knew what the real market was out there at other institutions. That's 100% correct, and without getting specific as in naming a player, okay, I will say this. I do have a really good understanding of what is out there and what kids are being offered and what level of player is capable of receiving this much or that much, and, and I also have a very good understanding of what we're doing and what the battle's end is doing. And you are spot on when you say the vast majority, not all, but nearly all, of the kids who think that the grass is greener financially on the other side, that there are untold millions to be made that they are being kept from, are wildly ill-informed and lament the decision not long after burning bridges and learning that it was all a mirage. 
that that money is not there, that that promise was not going to be kept. There are countless examples of kids, even kids currently in the portal, who found out the hard way that their friend or a family member or even their own mom or dad or somebody unscrupulous out there has misled them into believing something that is 100% inaccurate. And if you do the damage that some of these kids have done, and this is not just at Florida State, you know, you always heard growing up, well, don't burn bridges. You never know. You know, if, if, if somebody didn't lie or cheat or steal from you, but you had a falling out for whatever reason within the realm of what is, con, you know, considered to be a, a disagreement within reason, it's not like a fight or somebody cheated on somebody or something like that, then don't burn bridges because you never really know. And the kids are finding that out the hard way. They're finding out that, like, okay, I'm mad because I think this thing is true and I've been told that it's true and now I'm going to go pursue this. And then, damn it, it's not true, and I've already said bad things about this coach or this player or this program, and I'm screwed. And I hate that part of it. That's the part where because things aren't as regulated and aren't as clear-cut as we'd like them to be right now, um, and the structure's not in place the way that it needs to be for kids to make informed decisions, uh, then you do have this happen a lot. And it's just maddening to sit back and watch from afar because it affects you on a day-to-day basis. I can't imagine being a coach. Like, I, I just having to deal with that every day, you don't know – what your roster is going to look like today, tomorrow, or next week, let alone when you kick off in Ireland. Sure. Well, and and that's the problem with the lack of market regulation, if you will. Like I, I'm all for the pendulum has gone too far the other way, but I, I was all for players having the same rights that coaches had, which is I could walk at any moment if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there might be a buyout that I have to pay but I'm going to make sure the next institution just pays that. So that's not really a buyout. That's a concern for me. It's not coming out of my pocket. Right. It's just the next place is going to pay it for me. So I can walk whenever I want. I can leave a team high and dry, maybe before a, an important game, maybe before an important season, maybe just a week or two after I told a kid in his living room that I'm going to be there for the next four or five years, and I'm going to be the one guiding him along. So I appreciate that you know collegiate sports has allowed for the players to have the same rights to walk as the coaches. But we've gone too far the other way now. And I, and I don't know the, the proper way out of the situation we're in. You could say, let's make it all transparent so you can see all the contract figures for kids as, as it pertains to NIL. But I think that the problem at that point is now you're talking about an arms race where you got teams bidding against themselves and, and you're setting up the bubble to burst even quicker, uh, where at some point there isn't a sustainable factor of – you know, maybe three, four million dollars extra on the budget if you're at uh, Ohio State versus Alabama versus Notre Dame versus USC. I think that's what the collective side is probably afraid of. It's just there's no easy answer, and there's and it's like anything else we talk about, whether it's conferences, TV payouts, the playoff, the structure of the calendar, like say December. There's no central figure leading the way in the sport. Yes, and the sport is bleeding from five different flesh wounds and and maybe a mortal wound or two. Well, and that is the fear because we all love the game and we love covering and following this game and rooting for our team and and watching these games. And then you watch what's transpiring and you find it very difficult to get through. You just almost want to turn it off and say, wake me up when we're about to kick off and tell me who's on the team. But, you know, that's not our job. And certainly it's not something that I can do. And it's not something I want to do. I just would like to see some parameters. I'd like to see something that gets us to that place where you have a better understanding of what's what, what's allowable, what's fair, what's not, 
and where this is headed. And it seems like, and this is a negative way to look at it, but it feels like and it seems like college football is going to be broken for a couple of years because I don't think the Calvary's coming. It's Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hello there podcasters oh don't worry i won't prattle on for two minutes like i do with some of the other reads zaxby's doesn't demand it of me <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a Beer Giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. So I suppose on the of the conversation we just had, Tom, people have asked about Malcolm Ray, amongst others, uh, Malcolm Ray saying to uh, Iris Chaffel, in fact, uh, on War Chant, that, uh, quote, it was a strong possibility that I could stay, very strong, quote, unquote. Uh, obviously, he played a lot, and he's, you know, a guy that is a good depth piece. He's not a dominant player. Uh, he went on to say that, uh, you know, a bunch of nice things about the program, but we'll see. We'll see if he ends up uh, playing. And, of course, there's the idea that Briggs comes back uh, for a seventh year of college football, which is just crazy. I wish him nothing but the best. Florida State could could use him, I think, um, without question, to have that depth. He got better as the year went on, as he got healthier. I do think, and Tom, you and I had this conversation in bellying up podcast that we do that's a little different from the show and that a lot of times we talk about anything not always about football this this last one that you can find on the feed there on the podcast feed is um mostly mostly about football and one of the things that i i brought up and i'll bring up here for the audience that didn't catch it is that i think there were some lessons to be learned in that wildly inappropriate exhibition game 
that ended disastrously in a way that we kind of predicted. But I, I do believe that Florida State, so this is the way that I couch this, and I think it's important to note this because people lose track when you fast track success the way that Mike has been able to do. But Florida State is still climbing, is still upwardly mobile, is still it still has room to grow. It's a very unique year, one that could have had them in that Final Four and they might have been able to win the whole thing if they were healthy and had their starters. And we think certainly they earned the right to be there. But let's move away from that uh, well-worn discussion and frustration and talk about was there anything to learn in an exhibition game in which a lot of guys did not play and in which your players that did were overmatched? And I think the answer is yes. It is another reminder that Florida State does not have championship caliber depth yet. Now, the result of that game is a mixture of a lot of things. It's not all bigger, stronger, faster. But there are segment groups that are quite clearly bigger, stronger, faster, deeper at Georgia than at Florida State. So that is, I mean, in some ways, maybe it was good for Mike to see it as if he didn't know it. I'm not, I don't want to assume that he didn't. But when you see it up close and personal and you realize, okay, look, this game is not a proper representation of who FSU is. It's not even a, a good judge of what would happen if these two teams played healthy. Certainly it's not that. But does does the, the team that is Georgia, who is without question a top-four team in this country and would be favor over any of the teams that are in the playoff, are, are, are we? how much closer are we to, to meeting that standard uh, and the answer is you still got a ways to go. I think that is a fair thing to say, that that your second and third string's not close to their second and third string. Yeah, you got to see what the gap was. I mean, and there's a significant gap there. We had built, I believe, a championship-level football team. I mean, now, if they were going to finish the job when they got there with Jordan, uh, higher probability without Jordan, maybe they could have. But I think this year, Mike Norvell, in concert with the Battle's End, who did yeoman's work, built a championship-level football team. Now, what does it take to be an, an elite football team by this year's standards? Because there's a lot of pretty good out there. There wasn't anybody that was, that was totally dominant. So they're an elite football team for one year. Can they be an elite football program? That's, that's what we're waiting on. They're elite in the portal. They're elite in the collective game. They're above average to pretty good in, in the recruiting ranks. Got to get a, a lot better, better there, though. Got to get a lot better there, though. If you want to be an elite football program, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's debatable that they're elite at recruiting. No, it's not. It's not debatable because they aren't. So that's that's the gap that's left. They're not bad at it. They're not great at it. They're they're good at it, but not much more than good. So that's the gap that remains, and you get to see that, unfortunately, when Georgia in, and I'm not even talking about the first half, the the third quarter and the fourth quarter of that game, where you say, all right. It is indisputable that they've got more reserves for this fight than we do. And it's just it's just plain and simple to see. Yeah, and that's not a knock. That's not a knock on Florida State. I think Florida State's ahead of schedule, but let's remember the Knowles have only really had two very good seasons recently. They had a terrible season the year before those two, and even worse before that, it was a COVID year. It was a weird year. But you know, you know, you get what I'm saying. And prior to that, it was all terrible. Oh, for yeah, up, you gotta go back to twenty fourteen. So I mean, it, it stands to reason. Yeah, it's not lamenting what we're not. I'm I'm so proud of how quickly they got to where they were. <laughs> like let's, let's let's be honest here. Mm-hmm. Can they be it, multiple things, man? Can can they be better in the recruiting arena? Absolutely. 
is it almost unfathomable? It certainly is before the portal era that they could go from five and seven to where they were and potentially a, a national champion and potentially in that final game, even with their backup quarterback, like, yeah, man, that's, that's an incredible accomplishment. I just wish that it felt that way. It doesn't feel that way. And that's what sucks is because the committee told, took that feeling from you. But now that we're on the other side of it, you got to process and say, all right, how do we get there? Well, that's, we're that's, close, we're yeah. close, but how do we get there? Yeah, and I hinted at this during the course of the year. I knew it wasn't the time to beat that drum because the starting 22 was good enough to go 13-0, and did go 13-0, and did win the ACC, and should have made the playoff. That's true. It's also true to say that you're not quite where you need to be in terms of the quality of the depth and what a championship level a national championship level depth chart looks like you're not there yet and that's to be expected it's not a it's not a shot it's just another reminder and i do think there are specific areas i think everybody knows who listens to this show that i think a certain guy is not pulling his weight on the defensive side of the ball i've said his name repeatedly i've talked about this before and I began this conversation the first time around, the year before that, when I was telling you we needed a new secondary coach. And I was right about that, and I'm right about this. And I think they'll make those changes in due time. And we may need to make more. These are the hard truths and the hard conversations that have to happen. And people don't like to have those conversations when you're 13-0, and 0, and I don't like to have the conversation when you're 13-0. and 0. It is just something to note, and it's a reason to be excited. I mean, to me, that's a reason not to be angry, but to be excited. I don't say it like, oh, well, see? No, well, of course not. They were 5-7 and seven two years ago. It's, it's stunning that they just went 13-0 and 0, and that they manhandled LSU and that they beat Florida in Gainesville with their backup quarterback and that they've done these things. To, and they beat Clemson at Clemson, and they were the only team in the country to do that. They, they did these things, right? This is another step along the way. But what happens, and I, I just want to harken back to this, is what happens when you have success is that you're not a victim of it. More is expected of you because you've earned those expectations, and now you're held to a higher standard. Great. You're not held to much of a standard when you're five and seven. You're not held to a very high account when you win three games. Win 13 of them, you start asking about, okay, what is it going to take to be the one or two, maybe three teams in the in the country that you're not in terms of depth. Now, on any given Saturday, and we know this, that 22, the 11 on defense and the 11 on offense, could have beat any of those teams. We know that. And God forbid a healthy Jordan Travis was in there, they, they probably would have beaten those teams. But that's a different conversation. We're having a nuanced discussion. Yeah, agreed. That's why, for me, this year was playoffs or bust. I didn't know that the outcome could be bust by committee borderline corruption and cronyism, but that's (laughs) – so it's a successful season. We had that debate before. Is it successful if they they win the ACC championship but don't make the play? Yeah, 13-0 is a successful season. It's just that, you know, 13 people in a room didn't agree that it was a successful season, which is just kind of nuts to me. But but you're right. It's, um, It's a nuanced discussion. There is room for growth. But the funny thing about Mike Norvell's tenure here is is it didn't really get started until after COVID, at least for me, until he could go and, and form personal relationships with coaching staff throughout the Southeast, have kids visit campus, shake their hands, come meet them in the mm-hmm. parking lot, have that personal connection. The clock really doesn't start. Like, 
And so, in in a sense, if you look at his tenure and his record at Florida State, some might say uh, it took him a medium amount of time to flip the program. I think he did it overnight because the moment that the lights were able to come on and people were able to visit him and him and he's and his staff in turn, correct. They they flipped this thing so quickly, and what they've built are several critical pipelines to set them up for long-term success. Number one, he's a badass recruiter. The coaches in the, st- uh, in the state trust him. That's number two. Number three, the collective game is really, really strong. Their portal ability is really, really strong. Yeah. There's just this one other thing. There's just this one other thing that is more than adequate, but not elite. And so if you want to be Georgia, then you've got to get elite in that one final place. Now, this isn't a bad start, this recent recruiting class, but it's got to be better than that. Well, it does. And, and again, I will say we can just call it for what it is when you watch these things. Uh, there are certain guys that have succeeded on this staff and others that have not uh, when it comes to recruiting. you got to demand more of those individuals. Uh, you're going to get to a place, Tom, we know this, where you go to a 12-team playoff, each round's going to feature a game against a really good team. And you're going to have to have quality depth. You're going to have to continue to to be able to withstand uh, the wears and tears uh, that is uh, big-time college football. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Locked myself out. <laughs> this is Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Nick, appreciate you weighing in here. 2024 will test our resilience. Norvell is the man for the job. The players, you can tell, absolutely admire him. I watched the full cinematic recap. The speech he gave was inspiring. Let's go, Knowles. 2024 is a, is a big year. Appreciate that, Nick. Um, you, you can tell the way that this is where this is going. And, and what I mean by where this is going is the way that a certain network is going to represent Florida state <clears throat> and, and the way that that conversation has already gone so far in this, uh, off season, I'm not surprised by it, but I do think, um, you know, you have a lot of work ahead to continue to build and improve upon what you've already done. We're hitting the portal now. That will provide some answers. But the narrative surrounding this program, certainly by outsiders, is going to um, – it's probably going to be ugly. It's going to be the thing. I mean, I saw James B. say it here. I talked about it right before the break, Tom, and I said I'd rather enjoy this role, maybe not for me personally – but when Florida State's been put in this position before, it has responded and responded well, but it's the wearing of the black hat. It is Florida State is that. And I think it's a confluence of events that have led to this. The the oddity of um, what's gone on now with these bowls and the opt-outs and what that game was and the way it looked, coupled with the frustrations of the game and the transfers and you know, the lack of leadership at the highest levels in the sport 
and this growing angst that if you know think about it this way it's so funny when you when you think about the lawsuit that Florida State filed and if you missed the interview last hour I would encourage you to go back and find it from hour number one Michael Mestre joined us to talk about the litigation but for whatever people resented that that Florida State sued the ACC and when you read the articles nationally and you get a sense of what the pundits there are thinking about Florida State's lawsuit, usually within the criticisms uh, of Florida State in those articles is a, maybe a paragraph later, admission that the finances have changed radically over the last five years and that those programs that are not in the Super 2 as of right now cannot sustain a level of high competition, uh, or at least not at the highest levels, without there being some sort of financial, um, uh, you know, wherewithal coming from where, right? Nobody knows. Nobody understands where you could get that. Well, we do. Florida State took the initiative. They know. They know this is untenable. And so it's so weird to hear the hypocrisy in those articles, but they they shape the tone of the conversation. So these next 12 months, 2024 is going to be absolutely fascinating to watch in college football. And I know I laugh at it because my kids don't know any better. And my wife doesn't care, but she loves Florida State. She's a Florida State graduate. So they'll just be like, why Why are they mad at Florida State, Dad? Why is everybody mad at Florida State? And I'm like, ah, they're stupid. (laughs) That's why they're stupid or disingenuous. Because if it was their alma mater, if it was their team, they'd be like, we got to go. We're getting left in the dust. Florida State just did what everybody knows you got to do, which is you've got to jump up and down and say, nay, nay, this ain't happening. I'm not sitting over here getting bent over while everybody else gets rich. Not going to happen. I'm going to make a move, and I'm going to do everything I can do to make sure that I'm eating from the money trough. That's as old as the Jeff Cameron Show is the reference to the money trough. You better go get yours. Well, that's the thing to me is I rather enjoy the black hat, the idea of the – I mean, I'm wearing literally one right now. But with the ACC, it's it's long been – I mean, we're going on about a dozen years now of me hating on this conference. It's just that we didn't have too much of an option in the beginning when I was complaining about the conference. When we first signed our grant of rights – the extension was ridiculous. We all knew that. I thought the equal shares was always a ridiculous idea. But we had leadership here in Tallahassee that said that it was for the best. It was for the best that Boston College and Wake Forest makes as much as Florida State because it's a rising tide. No, it's not. Dear God, it's a hole in our hole. It is not a rising tide. And that's what everybody had kind of figured out in the last two to three years within the administration over at Florida State that changed their minds and it put them in a position to act. There's so many ways to go with this, but the thing I'll do is for those of you that didn't join us before the new year, I'll say it for you after new year's day, which is you got a couple options here. Number one, I think isolationism is actually in this instance, a pretty good idea for your own mental health as a Florida state fan. Cause you're going to catch it from all sides. Mm-hmm. So you might as well just focus on, I don't know, something like warchant.com, maybe the Jeff Cameron show one to three weekdays, and we'll tell you how it is. And it's all good, you know, because th- there are fights that are going to be fought in the short term and the long term. But you're going to hear about it from regional talking heads and national talking heads in a way that's ridiculous. The second way you can do it is take notes and be an elephant and never forget 
who told on themselves in this moment. You already have more than a couple of handfuls of media members who are telling on themselves that they're disingenuous actors or actresses. That's fine. You can continue to do that, and then when it's time down the line, don't forget. Don't forget when they're buddying up to Florida State as a member of the SEC or the Big Ten and saying, this was always for the best. No, don't you forget about it. Those are the two paths you can take. My thinking right now is more of what we were just talking about, which is recruiting. There's a barrier in terms of messaging to kids right now. And if we need better recruiters last year, we really need them now because they're going to have to be able to message and, and create bonds more effectively to overcome the negative recruiting that Florida State's about to find itself in the middle of for being in a so-called Power Five conference per the playoff selection committee. Yeah, I, I do know this. It's funny. It's all at once a sense of, um, you know, you're in dire straits and you're just you're holding on. And the only way you can do that is to to kind of, you know, it's the, the ultimate revenge, right? Lead a great life. Go on and do your thing. Go win games. Just keep winning games and that, that will solve the problem. And in a weird way, that is true. What feels to be overwhelming and, you know, the kind of weight that we carry around after getting snubbed and then that game playing out and the narrative and the commentary and all that, you know how quickly it goes away, how quickly it dissipates. I mean, the next thing you know, you're in March and nobody's talking like that. Nobody is having that conversation. You're on the back burner. And the next time it comes up is when you go to the ACC kickoff which will be delightful this year, Tom. <laughs> Making our way to the ACC kickoff is going to be a great joy for yours truly. I cannot wait to uh, meet you there, sir, and to smile ear to ear as we walk through those doors in Charlotte. I think the goal is to be bl- barred from coming, right? Isn't that the goal between now and then is to speak enough truth? You don't have to be incendiary, although the truth can be incendiary to many parties there at the ACC headquarters. Mm. But to, to say, no, no, you're not welcome, Jeff. You're not like our friends at the CW, like Dennis Miller. Dennis, are you, know, you here? Who, oh, Dennis, Dennis didn't make it again this year. Dennis will tell you. Oh. He's standing right here. Dennis. Oh, Dennis. 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 But if you Damn are. It, Dennis, um, now this is getting embarrassing. Uh, you know, I'm starting to think that Dennis doesn't value our relationship. <laughs> if you are allowed, I think you should be front and center for the commissioner's forum. First row on the aisle, right in front of that podium. And just very alert. Just there you go. Mm. Taking notes. Taking yeah. notes. Maybe wearing Florida State gear. Maybe you would break protocol for the event and wear that fine hoodie that you have on right yeah, now. Yeah, I never do that. When we go to Charlotte, I don't wear FSU gear. I, I just – i there there to have the conversation and, and to be fair to all the others that sit down across from me and try to have a – conversation where they're not worried about where I'm taking it, that kind of a thing. But, uh, yeah, maybe for that press conference I could wear this with a Florida State hat. Jim, your thoughts on Florida State as we enter the year? I want to get your thoughts on the ACC champions. Jim, stop looking for Dennis. He's not here. My eyes are right here, Jim. Answer my question regarding the ACC champions. The undefeated Florida State Seminoles and your thoughts on this season and what's uh, at foot here for the ACC. You know, most people on those forums sit down after they ask the question. You could just remain standing in that spot. <laughs> Make it supremely <laughs> awkward. Um, Jim, I'm curious. 
it seems that the ACC may have anticipated the lawsuit that Florida State filed against them and instead levied their own action in court two days before the lawsuit was announced. Now, why would that be if the grant of rights is ironclad? Jim? <laughs> like how he that would be I'd get ushered out. Jim Jim, have you ever met Dennis Miller from the CW? Yes or no? Are you just that's, that's Yeah, no, you've no. never met Dennis. Dennis doesn't no. know you. Yeah. No, I faxed him and he signed a piece of paper. <laughs> that now that would be the be- first truthful answer like the well, yeah, that's exactly. Don't you know the conference that I lead? This is this well, is the kind of and and he didn't know you were backing him into a corner because so you can send contracts away from the league office to be reviewed and signed. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Jim. Man, I am excited and I can't wait for it. I mean, tomorrow's Redemption Thursday. We'll get into wagers. We'll have a good time with it. But I am so excited for the announcements, one after the other, of what we're going to do in the portal. Now, I'm not telling you it's 10 to 15 or anything like that, but I think there's going to be four really significant. Ha <laughs> ha! How about them apples? Kind Whoa, of wait a yeah, I do. I do. No, that's talking- a just a projection, Tom. Okay. Listen, the, the the track record says that that's exactly what it's going to be. That they're going to be four or five guys where you're going to go, hell yes. Just I took note of the number mm. that there was a specific number that you floated out there. Okay. Of the elite, of the elite. I don't know, you know, what you cobble together after that, but of the elite, they're going to be, I think, four or five where you're like. Okay, run it back another thirteen and oh boys. <laughs> it's Jeff Cameron show. We'll come back, wrap it up momentarily. Hey, welcome a new advertiser to the program. This one I like. Why do I like them? I used them. I already used them. Then they said we want to be on with you, Cameron. Good, because I'm already using you. I'd like to save some money. I'm talking about Factor. Now I could read a script. I have one here. The bustling holiday season, you're looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel your jam-packed days. Factors America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. I'm not going to do that, though. I don't need to do that. I like not meal prepping. I like having a delicious meal before me and two and a half minutes out of a microwave prepped by a professional chef. It is delicious. Protein meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving in some cases. I could get the uh, low-calorie conscious meal if I want one, if I've overdone it for the week or something along those lines. I pick a different set of food items out of 35 prepared meals at the start of every week, and voila, it's at my front door. It's awesome. Head to factormeals.com slash Cameron50 and use code Cameron50 to get 50% off. Doing you right, people. That's code Cameron50 at Factormeals.com slash Cameron50 to get 50% off. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. So many miles to feed on the farm The sun was the second to the last one born Classic, awesome song, cool story. Uh, really quickly, I didn't follow up on this point when we were talking to Michael. And we were talking about, you know, having more money gives you an edge and waiting out your opponent. 
and the ACC certainly would have um, the opportunity to to engage in that uh, when facing FSU about this uh, whether or not we end up with a you know settlement or not. But what I what I will ask him the next time we talk to him, and I have thought about this aspect of it. A lot of people do believe. A lot of uh, you know attorneys smarter than me uh, have have told me that they think eventually this uh, will get settled. But what I always wonder about with something like that is, in this case, Tom, if the ACC settles, are they not signing their death warrant? I mean, I get that confidentiality is going to be a part of any agreement. But look at the world we live in right now. I mean, come on. I mean, all of these things get leaked. I think... What it does is it it doesn't necessarily die on the vine right then and there. It does as a power conference, sure, but it already is dead as a power conference because the playoff committee said they're not one. So, you know, you got that going for you. I, I think what it does is it becomes a competitor of the Big 12 or the American or something along those lines at that point because whoever wants to play at the highest level will play at the highest level. And whoever wants uh, a berth – you know, one of those auto births to a group of five school. Well, the ACC will be a part of that collective now and not the power two or the power three, yeah. or however it takes out. But I think what they're doing is they're positioning themselves to be a coast to coast conference for the lower tier. I think that's what the most recent move was. I think if and when Florida State leaves, Clemson goes with them and whoever else follows, like maybe North Carolina. Sure. Who out of one side of their mouth says Florida State is terrible for doing what they're doing, and out of the other side, they're just they can't wait. They're champing to go to the Big Ten or the SEC. Maybe they go pick up Oregon State. Maybe they go pick up Washington State, and they try to make this thing happen across different time zones. But they will effectively, at that point of a settlement, be signing their death warrant as a power conference. But I mean, we can already say it. They, we aren't one anymore. That's why we didn't make the damn playoff ourselves as 13 and 0. No, they made it uh, resoundingly clear. I, I just, I'm curious, uh, you know, it, it, the second you agree to terms with Florida state and it's, it, it allows them to leave the, the, the others that want to leave are going to do so. And I, that's the only thing that I'm concerned about that would maybe cause them to say, screw it. This is the very existence. This is the life of the conference at stake. We're going to wait it out. Now, you do risk, obviously, if they don't settle, getting nothing. There is the well, there is the risk factor involved here that the ACC could receive nothing. What's the goal? I mean, you know, Jim Phillips would tell you, well, it's a, it's a you know, are we here to make money or are we here to succeed? You know, like, but in truth, if you could get him, pull him aside and get him to do something he hardly ever does, which is speak. And then also, secondly, speak the truth. What's their goal here? I mean, he has to know. You would I don't think, think those I, photos. I, I'm not so sure. <laughs> That's fair. <But> like, <laughs> you know, those photos from Charlotte or the Orange Bowl where he has the look of a dead man walking. I mean, I, I think he I think he gets it. It's not just about that. He has to be on the same field with Florida State. Disgusting Florida it's State. I think also it's also one of the great pictures that come out of all of this. I want that on a shirt. I want that. I almost made that my Twitter avatar. It's just fantastic. Which one, the dais at, in Charlotte or the Alfred is looking at his watch? Alfred looking at his watch while Phillips scorns and stares at the moon. It's just fantastic. 
Okay, so slight correction to uh, the itinerary for July. You will wear a that shirt, with that photo <laughs> with that photo on it. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Whoever took that photo, bravo! It is so good. I mean, just the disdain. It's so good. Well, and remember that that Jim Phillips is not only incompetent, but he's only a disingenuous actor himself. He wanted the Big Ten commissioner's role. He yeah. would be doing the thing that he is crying about others doing if he actually got the job well, that he wanted to get. Uh, Big Ten officials would tell you, no, he wouldn't, and that's why he's not the Big Ten commissioner. <laughs> hey, we can say whatever we want about Greg Sankey, but I'll reiterate over and over and over again, he knows who he works for. And he unabashedly goes about the process of ensuring what's best for the SEC, even in the face of absolute nonsense, just rhetoric, silly gibberish. He will say it proud. Just, it's, it's, I'm sorry. I'm, are you, you Coach Amato? What are you doing? I, I was literally doing what I saw Sankey doing when he came on game day. It was so funny. Twice he caught himself kind of being frumpy. And then he was like, he leaned, I'll show you the the footage. It's so good. Like nobody, I was laughing so hard in Charlotte when I saw it. I'm like, look at my man. He's trying to be tall. He is trying to do everything he can. It was awesome. So we haven't talked about that and we don't really need to. No. I, I didn't, I didn't tune into that game. The, the Rose bowl, uh, Jamie had it on. Uh, this is, True. It's not one of those things like, well, I, I actually watched it, but three and a half minutes to go is the point at which I was like, ah, let's see what happens at the end. Because I had seen on, on social media uh, Melrose stat line as the game went along. It wasn't good. Thinking, wasn't good, buddy. I mean, neither of those quarterbacks are good. Everybody, uh, McCarthy's the best that Michigan's ever had. Good Lord, people. What, what are we talking about? It's just, it's funny to me that uh, quarterback play, I know it's an obvious take, but it's just, it's hilarious to me that it's all about quarterback play. That's what's holding us back. Do you know if Milrow could complete half of an open pass that they would have smoked Georgia in Atlanta by like 24 that day? If he could. If he could have. That was the, that was the quiet thing about the Alabama Georgia game is that that defense didn't show up at all. Milrow had wide open targets all day long and he barely could hit enough to get the job done yeah it's um it's comical it makes me laugh to see that stat line of course it did and it was nice to watch them lose with that stat line and think hmm well (laughs) yeah appreciably better i guess yes i see uh i i don't know i don't i don't go and play that game i don't i i you know as far as michigan alabama i was happy that michigan won the game if happy is a proper descriptor i'm rooting for washington to win the whole thing and rooting is a strong word but i have no problems with washington i've always had an affinity for washington i like their colors i love the campus i've been there Uh, i got no problem with that school if they win it that'd be great uh but you know again i watch i'm not i'm not gonna not watch the games especially when we get down to precious few because i love college football i called it the invitational um on this show and uh, i know what it is uh, but i just I will watch as many games as possible. And so for that reason, I did watch. And I was kind of curious. Uh, it was interesting because I think Florida State's defensive line, a healthy defensive line, would have dominated both those uh, offensive lines. Now, I say dominate. They would have dominated Michigan's offensive line less than Alabama's. But they would have had an opportunity to have to make that kid make a lot of throws. And Alabama that, couldn't do it. 
that's the frustrating thing is it's never going to be resolved ever, you know, um, because that time has passed now. But we were always looking at Florida State and Alabama. You know, Texas gets a pass because they have to get in in order to get Alabama into the field of four. So it's almost like we don't even discuss Texas, but that defense would have, even though it, it's weakness against weakness, so that pass defense against a backup quarterback would have been interesting. But none of those four teams, like Michigan's resume, tell me about it. Tell me about Michigan's resume. You know, everybody's focusing on Florida State versus one loss Alabama, but putting Florida State's resume, the best they looked against the best they played, I mean, this was just, this was a gettable year. And that's what sucks about it is it was gettable this year. All right, my brother, be good. I'll see you tomorrow. Good job, Matthew, as always. And to all those that uh, tuned in, we appreciate it as always.